Hello and welcome back. I'm Michaela and this is Lactation Station. All right, so we all have breasts. And at this point in our conversations, you're probably very familiar with yours, as well as how they look, how they sit on your chest, what your nipples look like, you know, all of that stuff. But with all that knowledge about your breasts, knowing how to make them lactate becomes a little bit more complicated. Lactation can be overwhelming and confusing, even for those of us that have had babies. It can be hard at first, but please don't give up. Find a lactation support group. The support and understanding plus community will be extremely helpful. You have no idea. Lactation is a marathon, not a sprint. So you may find yourself going backwards and forwards for weeks, all the while feeling like you're not getting anywhere and wondering why the hell you started this in the first place. This is so common among women, and if you're feeling this way, trust me, you're not alone. But knowledge and support are your secret weapons. Lactating is a process that requires time and dedication. It is possible to do it alone. I did it alone, and as have many others, but you shouldn't have to. And I'm not necessarily referring to a partner. Instead, I'm talking about a support system. Support is important in your lactation journey. Having someone to talk to, to support you, will make such a huge difference. It's normal to feel anxious and have questions. Having a group or a person to ask or problem solve with you can make all the difference between success and giving up. And never stop on a bad day. Trust me, you'll regret it. If you feel like this is no longer something that you want or it's just bad timing, stop on a day you pumped an ounce or had a great session with your partner. If you do stop and decide a few days later or a week or a month later that you've changed your mind, you can just pick up right where you left off. And you need to know whatever comes from your lactation journey, you are genuinely incredible for even considering this journey. Most people don't think about lactation on a whim. It just, you know, you don't, it's not like, hmm, I wish I had a Hershey bar, you know. It just, it's usually something that requires a lot of thought. But if you find yourself at a crossroads and you're struggling to decide if you want to continue, you might find it helps to step back, pause, and think about all of your reasons reasons for wanting to do this, and then move forward from there. I believe in you. You're brave, courageous, and wonderful to have gotten as far as you have. And I'm not the only one who'll tell you that. Reach out if you're struggling. Find your support group. Talk to a friend. Post online. Call an LC. Anyone to help reinforce your decision to lactate. Talk it out, even if it's just with yourself. Write it down and go over it. Make sure your feelings to end your journey isn't just a moment of frustration. See what tomorrow brings or what tonight brings. If you just can't see yourself moving forward, be proud of all that you've accomplished and be proud of every step you took. Because lactation isn't an easy journey. It's hard and time-consuming work. No matter how far you went on your journey, it's been amazing. I'm thankful for your effort and I'm very proud of you. Lactation is a very beautiful and wonderful, natural thing. But most people don't know that there is a lot of work involved. It can drain your energy and make you always feel hungry. Helping your body to constantly produce milk during lactation can be challenging. It's important when you're trying to lactate to try and feel relaxed mentally and physically. Apart from physically feeling well, you need good mental health. 
Stress can affect your ability to produce milk. Some LCs recommend warm tea, hot soup, or even sipping warm water. They can help your body to relax, and it also helps increase your fluid intake. As we work on lactation, we work on closeness and the value of nurturing. We can focus on the calm, warm feelings we experience when our partner's body is close to ours. And we realize how much milk or our supply doesn't feel as essential when you're focusing on these other things. And when this happens, suddenly lactation becomes a whole lot easier. And I hate how we get focused on how many ounces we pump. And we forget that the beauty of lactating and partnership, that's what this whole process is about, nurturing and closeness. And the process of milk being released from the ducts, as we all know by now, is called letdown. Letdown can feel like pins and needles, tiny electric shocks, tingling, itching, and then you have a rush of milk. But don't worry if you don't feel any of these or if you feel something completely different. All of it is normal. When your partner latches, they should suck rapidly to trigger your letdown. Then it's a combination of slight suction, compression, and a wave-like motion of the tongue to remove milk from the breast. And then the milk will come out in little bursts of suckling and swallowing. And although it may be uncomfortable at first, suckling shouldn't be painful. You shouldn't have cracked or bleeding nipples. There shouldn't be any issues. You might feel a little tenderness at the beginning of your session, but it should quickly dissipate. The most common experience is a little pinching or tugging when your partner latches on. But like I said, that should quickly subside. If you are having pain, it's most likely the latch. Have your partner reposition and make sure they have a nice deep latch. Now, I already said you shouldn't have pain with a partner, but you definitely shouldn't have pain with a pump either. If it hurts, something isn't right. Something needs to be tweaked or adjusted or changed. There's a difference between low quality and high quality pumps, and you can definitely feel it. When you're looking for a pump, look at reviews and research them. Don't do like I did and end up with six pumps in a drawer full of accessories. On that note, having said that, I know, you know, I've said over and over not to go overboard on pumping accessories, but at the same time, washing pumping parts eight times a day or more can quickly become something that you dread. Maybe buying one set of extra pump parts when you find the pump that works for you, that can make life a whole lot easier. One of the things that I do is um, when I'm done uh, pumping, I take all those pumping parts and, you know, all the washable parts and I put them in a Ziploc bag and I throw them in the fridge. And then the cold in the fridge keeps them safe from bacteria and, you know, you can just take it out of the fridge and use it again. And then at the end of the night, just run it through the dishwasher. That's the easiest way for me to do it. When you pump, your flange should pull your nipple and a tiny bit of the areola into the tunnel. Your nipple should move freely inside the tunnel. If your nipple rubs against the sides of the tunnel, it's too small. If the suction pulls a large amount of your areola into the tunnel, the flange is too big. The right size flange, you'll know when you have the right size flange because it's going to end up being the one that feels the best and it doesn't turn your nipple pur purple from lack of blood flow. Oh, and that was the scariest thing I ever saw one time when I took my when I took my flange off, when I took the pump off, and my nipple was like a dark purple, which, I mean, the color came right back as soon as the blood flow was returned. 
but it really freaked me out. So if your um, flange is too small and it's too tight, just keep in mind that that can happen. I'd also like to remind you that through this journey that you're on, your nipples can and will change, as will your areola. So what fits at the beginning of your lactation journey may not fit later on. Just keep that in mind. And just a quick note, if you plan on traveling, TSA guidelines state that a reasonable amount of breast milk does not count towards your liquid allowance. Now, I'm not sure what a reasonable amount is, but if you have to pump the airport, at least you know you can take the milk with you if you want to. Also, a breast pump is not a carry-on. It's considered a medical device. However, it's a good idea to probably bring a manual pump with you since there might not be access to an electrical outlet. Speaking of breast milk, so what do you do with the milk and how do you store it? When it comes to breast milk, I use the 555 rule. Breast milk can stay out for five hours, it can stay in the fridge for five days, or in the freezer for five months. The actual numbers on that are a little different, but that's just the rule I follow. Breast milk must be the same temperature if you're combining it, and never, ever add fresh or refrigerated breast milk to frozen. And also, never refreeze your milk. If you take it out to thaw for any reason, you can't put it back in the freezer. Thawed milk is good for 24 hours. If your thawed milk contains even just one tiny little ice crystal, it's still considered frozen. And this is actually good knowledge to have in case you have a power outage and you have breast milk in the freezer. You can keep an, you know, a general idea of how long that milk is going to be good. Here's an interesting fact that I didn't know before. You're not supposed to shake refrigerated breast milk. When milk is stored, the fat, I don't know if you've ever seen it, like in a bag or in a cup, the fat rises to the top and usually needs to be mixed back in. But roughly shaking the breast milk changes the milk. And I don't know how or why. I haven't found that out yet. I intend to find out. Or if one of you out there know, then please email me and let me know because I have, I just found that out yesterday and I had no idea. So at this point, we know the basics of lactation. Raised prolactin levels, frequent, effective, and thorough milk removal equals milk production. As a result of these things, prolactin levels stay high and full breast can be avoided by frequently stimulating and removing milk. Combining hand massage and pumping can increase volume. So let's talk about some expectation management for pumping. If you don't know it already, double pumping gets better results than single pumping and you're not stuck sitting all day trying to empty the breasts. So what are you going to see in the collection bottles when you pump? I'm going to be honest with you, probably nothing. At least not at first. If it has been a long time since you breastfed a baby, your breast might be in a state of involution, which means your breasts have just stopped making milk. So it may take a little bit to get them going again. If you've never been pregnant, then the same applies. It may take a while to get things going before your ducks are mature. mature. My personal experience is once I started to get milk, it began to increase at a rapid pace until I reached my own personal peak at around three to four months. Now remember, everyone is different. You may get a good milk flow sooner than I did or later than I did. 
but your body will work on its own time frame. You may express only drops for ages to the point where you wonder if, you know, this is the best you're going to get. Then all of a sudden, bam, you have streams of milk and your breasts are ready to go. All of this is completely normal. And my suggestion is to have no expectations. None. Because your body and your breasts are totally and uniquely yours. Just take everything one pumping or suckling session at a time. Pumping and expressing is a labor of love and desire, but I totally know that it can be boring, tedious, and frustrating. And some suggestions are, you know, you can try to watch a show you like, put something on Netflix, you know, and just kind of binge watch it while you're pumping, and maybe use that show for only pumping time. And then that way you always have something to watch. Listen to music. I like to listen to music or aromatherapy and meditation. Now, I have um, a little aromatherapy thing. I don't know. It, smoke comes out. I don't. It's not smoke. <laughs> I don't know what it is. The air comes out, the steam. I don't know. But, you know, the scent comes out, and it fills the room, and I kind of just close my eyes. You know, I just let the pump do its work. Anything that you can do to help relieve the feelings of, you know, tediousness and boring it will all help. You know, for some women, um, suckling sessions are enough to get a good milk supply, suckling and pumping. But for some of us, a little help is needed, and we always turn to the Galactagogs. So before I start, once again, here's my disclaimer. I am not a doctor, and nothing I say should ever replace the medical advice of your doctor or your healthcare professional. And we often think that because an herb is natural, that makes it safe. But sometimes herbs can be incredibly potent and you should always be careful. Only use them if you're confident that they're safe and effective. Galactagogues will be the most effective um, if you're removing milk frequently. They need to be used with pumping, pumping and suckling, not in place of. You can't just take, you know, a magic pill and expect that it's going to work. You still have to put in the work to make it happen. All of your hard work won't mean anything if you don't continue with your pumping and suckling schedule. There isn't a lot of research or studies on the use of galactagogues for milk production, but there are plenty of people that claim they help boost milk supply. There's just very little science behind it. Galactagogues of various kinds have special places in different cultures. Many cultures and societies have their own special things that they give to women who are lactating to help with milk supply. Some items like moringa is really popular in Africa and shatavari is really popular in India. And those remedies get handed down through the generations until eventually women just take it and they never question whether it's effective or not. You know, and I, it was really interesting because I read the belief that galactagogues only work because we think they work, that it's like the placebo effect. Now, I know my milk flows better when I'm relaxed. So if taking moringa or shatavari helps me relax about my milk supply, then to me it's worth taking. And the psychological effect can be potentially the most helpful of any of it. All right, so let's talk about a couple different um, galactagogues or things that we can do to help production. Now, I couldn't find any current studies um, on goat's root to back it up as a galactagogue. It is, however, very popular with women 
who want to build their supply. I ran across a lady named Alyssa Chanel, and she has a book called Breastfeeding Without Birthing, and she talks about go-to in her book, and she suggests that it's a good way to build up breast tissue. Now, that's what I use it for, is to build up breast tissue. Go-through usually has no side effects, but it can lower your blood sugar. If you have issues with diabetes or low blood sugar, then you should probably stay away from this one. Then the next thing that I want to talk about is lactation cookies. Now, I have a good friend of mine that made lactation cookies once a week. She had just had her fourth baby and for whatever reason was having supply issues. And I just spoke with her yesterday and she still swears that those lactation cookies are the reason she was able to breastfeed her daughter until she was two and a half. She made them from scratch once a week in my kitchen. So I know they were fresh and they were definitely very tasty. If you buy them from a supplier or a grocery store, remember a couple of things. Anything that's store-bought that has to do with lactation always makes a tidy profit. So just be careful what you buy. Store-bought lactation cookies can be packed with tons of sugar to compensate for the bitter brewer's yeast. And check your ingredient list to make sure they are what they say they are. If you buy them and you like them and you feel that they're helpful, then by all means continue using them. Along with Galactagogs, many cultures have the hi a history of using foodstuff to increase milk supply. So since the advent of social media and more availability to support groups, being online and stuff like that, lactogenic foods get talked about a lot more often. Now again, there's no scientific evidence proving they are effective, but they're definitely worth mentioning. And remember, if a food tastes good, isn't harmful to lactation, and it seems to help your supply, if it makes you feel like you're doing something to help your supply, then by all means continue to eat whatever it is. Most of the time, foods that are lactogenic are also nutrient-dense, and we should probably be eating them anyway. At the top of my list is garlic. Garlic has been used in Asian cultures for centuries and is given to postnatal mothers to support milk production. Then there's fennel. A study in 2013 found fennel can increase milk supply and fat content in goats. Now, there's no adverse effects that have been found in humans, but there's also no evidence that fennel will increase milk production in humans. A few other lactogenic foods are spinach, sweet potatoes, brown rice, carrots, yams, leafy green veggies, raw almonds, avocados, Coconut water. I drink a lot of coconut milk. I get the silk coconut milk unsweetened and I add it to just about everything I drink. I think that it works. I don't, you know, like I said, there's no proof that it does, but not only do I like it, but I feel like it helps with my production. Then ginger, cashews, most nuts, and then oats like oatmeal. We all know that oatmeal is said to be good for production. All of these foods are healthy and good for you. They may help with lactation by increasing prolactin levels or just by giving you a psychological effect of feeling like you're doing everything you can. And remember, as we chat along, frequent effective breast stimulation is by far the most productive way at increasing milk supply. It's better than anything you're going to take or eat. 
out of all of this stuff, is there any science behind any of the Galactagogs? And yes, I found one. Milk thistle. Milk thistle is a tradition for lactating women for many years in Europe and India. I found a research study from 2008, and women were giving, given 420 milligrams a day for 63 days. And these women reported an increase in supply over a group of, group of women given a placebo. Now, there are a few warnings of, for milk thistle. Side effects are rare, but you could experience diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. You should also avoid milk thistle if you're allergic to ragweed, daisies, marigolds, and chrysanthemums because they're from the same plant family. You shouldn't take milk thistle if you're taking dilatin for seizures or if you take birth control because it might make those two medications less effective. You should also be careful if you're taking antipsychotics, anti-anxiety, cancer meds, or blood thinners. A systemic review in 2016 found that out of seven herbal and pharmaceutical galactagogues studied, domperidone had the most significant effect on milk production when compared to a placebo. Does that surprise any of us? That doesn't surprise me at all. And once again, I want to remind all of you that all medications, herbal or pharmaceutical, should be used with caution. Make sure you talk with your GP, IBCLC, or CLC, and do any research on anything that claims to increase your supply. Let's talk briefly about going to the doctor. It's never easy to talk to your doctor, but needing to talk about something as personal as lactation can be even tougher. Your doctor should be the one person that you can tell anything to, and yet we still hesitate. Years of conditioning tells us that this is not something to talk about, and no one wants to be judged for personal choices. I get that. But if you're taking medications or have health issues and you want to lactate, you're going to need to talk to them. The more you and your doctor talk with each other, and I mean really, really talk, the better chance you have at feeling comfortable with what you're saying. Okay, so imagine this. You're in the room. It's small and confining. There's a sink, a chair, and a fluorescent light. Your doctor comes running in late and finally pops through the door. You exchange quick pleasantries and then it's down to business. So this is why you're here. And you explain to him. Now research says you get only seconds to talk before your doctor jumps in with a word, a question, a comment, or to redirect you. So what if you don't feel like you're being heard? How do you get your doctor to listen to you? And I mean really, really listen. So a couple of suggestions. First, jot some notes down before you go. And then, you know, if you have to just read directly off the piece of paper, then do that. More importantly, have your story ready when you get to the office and tell it. Don't go into that tiny little room and simply say, I want to lactate or I'm interested in lactation. Tell your story. Be straightforward and open-ended in your discussion and be honest if you feel you're not being heard. Another thing that I would suggest if you have one, bring a friend or a family member that knows about your desire to lactate and they can help bolster your confidence in your conversation. Be honest and accurate. Some people go to the doctor and don't tell the whole truth. And the thing is that they just don't feel comfortable with it. You know, 
nobody wants to say, you know, hey, I've been using illegal drugs or, you know, a little bit too much alcohol or, you know, if it's a sexual issue. But you need to be able to build up that relationship between you and your physician. And you need to feel like you can tell them whatever you need to tell them. And you should always find a doctor that you feel that you can trust and that you think is listening to you. If you don't think your doctor is listening, then how can you trust them to have your best interest at heart? So if you don't think he's listening to you, if you don't think you can talk to him, then, you know, maybe you need to find another doctor. Or maybe a lactation consultant is a better option. Lactation consultants are health professionals who specialize in the science of breastfeeding. Lactation consultants go through intensive school and training to become certified so they can help women in need. And lactation consultants care about your personal lactation goals, whatever they may be. They don't care. They want to work with you to reach your goals and to make sure you have a positive, enriching lactation experience. Lactation consultants understand how your body changes during lactation and can find solutions to problems, including mastitis, cracked nipples, and engorged breasts. You should see a lactation consultant whenever you face a lactation issue you feel you cannot solve on your own or don't want to take it to your doctor. As you start looking for a lactation consultant, you may wonder when you have found someone who is not only qualified, but also a good fit for you and your family, here are five things that are a signs of a good lactation consultant. One, you want to check their qualifications and make sure that their qualifications are going to fit your need, that they have experience. And, you know, experience is important, but like I, I got my certification in April and I consider myself a good lactation consultant, but I don't have 40 years worth of experience. So that's one, you know, you have to judge on your own. You want them to be able to understand the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish. They should make you feel comfortable and there should never be any pressure to do things their way or, you know, one way or only this way. They should be open-minded and listening to you and not afraid to adjust their way of thinking to accommodate you. All right, so there you have it. You know, we have to relearn certain behaviors and not be afraid to talk to healthcare professionals about this. And yes, they may judge you. You know, the doctor may go in the next room and tell his nurse how outrageous it is that you want to lactate. But it needs to be talked about more. It needs to be an open conversation. That's the only way people are going to be more comfortable talking about it. You know, it has to start somewhere. So be that person. Be the person who opens the eyes of your doctor and makes them see that not only is this possible, but that they can help you. It's scary to start the conversation, but the only way to start it is to just do it. That's it for this evening. Don't forget, go by the website and subscribe to our email. Join our Facebook group, Lactation Station 2020. I'm Michaela. This is Lactation Station. Thanks for joining me in this conversation. Have a great night.